0: Well, this morning I am going to be talking about spiritual warfare. I'm going to uh, talk about revival. We're in a revival series, but I'm going to talk about it in this context. See, oftentimes when we look at revival, we don't recognize where the real battle is because we like battles that we can see. We like battles that are right here in front of us that we can fight and that are tangible, but the reality is for us in this world that Uh, principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places is where the real battle is and all the stuff that we deal with comes from a spiritual place so this morning I want to talk more about that spiritual place and put some context around this battle that we are engaged in and what that might mean for us an important part of any battle is the preparation piece and that's no different for us in spiritual warfare in spiritual battling in battling for the things of God in the old days in the Old Testament you know what the priests had to do before they went in uh, into the presence of God right they had a process of preparation of where they had to clean become cleansed and and then they could go into the presence of God so there's always 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 a preparation process in, in, in preparing to do this kind of battle, you know, and, and I'm going to talk about one race movement today. And in the one race movement, this preparation has been going on for a very, very long time. And it's not with a passive attitude. It's not with a laying back, well, uh, it's going to come, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. It's an attitude of, of action. But those actions are humility and repentance. See, we've got to be humble enough. To come before our Lord and recognize that we are not him. He is our God. And when we're humble and we come and we lay our sin, our falling short, the things that we put between us and God at his feet and we repent, which simply means to turn away from, then God can do amazing things in our life. Psalm 24. Which is a very familiar psalm to many of us. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart. Who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. See, we expect... uh, we expect a spiritual battle to be waged if we're going to encounter the darkness of racism. And if we're going to challenge, you know, we talked a few weeks ago about the the, the Great Awakening and and dry dead religion. We're going to challenge that. If you encounter the living, vibrant God, that religion that comes out of that should be a living and vibrant faith. It should not be a quiet, dead, I'm just going to go to church and that's it. That is not who we are. That is not what we're called to as Christians. You may recognize this passage. It's been in songs. It's been in every message so far. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then will I hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sins, and I will heal their land. To do spiritual warfare, we must prepare. So let me give you a little bit about the One Race Movement and the preparation process about how this has happened. About 10 years ago, a small group of a couple of pastors started meeting. And they started meeting to pray for revival. And they built relationships. And over the course of years of praying, years of praying together, this vision began to crystallize and began to come together that we need to also look at, especially in the South, the impact that racism has had and, and what that means. And so out of that came this this desire to move forward. And I understand, look, I'm from California. Don't hold it against me. But I'm from California, and, and part of my lineage, I'm Mexican, I'm Native American. It's a tribe, Chumash tribe. It's a California coastal tribe. I'm Irish. And my an- Irish ancestors came here in 1859 and booked it out west. They didn't have anything to do. With, it's easy for me to say, well, I don't have anything to do with that, right? Let me tell you a story. One of the, the, the friends of mine that I'm getting to meet in this movie, his name is Glenn Collier. He's the pastor at New Harvest International Ministries. And he was playing tennis. He had his mom and his grandson, and they, he was playing tennis with his grandson at, at, in, his su- in his subdivision. And a guy came home, and he pulled in, and he got out of his car, and he ran over to the tennis court and asked him, what are you doing here playing tennis? And he said, well, I live here. Oh. Well, how long have you lived here? I've lived here four years. It still happens. He's, he's black. Yeah, he's, he's an African American pastor. It still happens. You know where this was? You know where New Liberty United Methodist Church is? It's a subdivision behind New Liberty United Methodist Church. Five miles. It's still happening. And we've got to be willing as a people, if my people, well, there are, there's, there is evil in the world, and we need to be willing to stand against it, even if we're not a part of it. You know, I, this is not about guilt and not about white anything. or, or It's not. It's the kingdom movement to push against the evil of racism and the evil that, that is coming out of that. We need to be willing to step into that. So these pastors began meeting, and then, and then the first, where I got pulled in was uh, Victory Hamilton Mill had, a, had an event. It's a prayer and worship event, and these, the, you know, that was the first of them. And, and what that consisted of? Worship, music, and then three pastors would get up, and you know what they'd do? They'd preach, right? No, they'd get up and pray for no more than three minutes each. It was generally a Hispanic, a, a black, and a white pastor to illustrate that we're doing this together. And then there'd be worship, and then three pastors would get up to preach, right? No, they'd get up to pray. And that's the pro- all of the events that have. That's the process of the events that we're having, which are just worship events to try to go before God and humble ourselves and pray and seek His face and turn from our wicked ways, so that He can move. Out of that has come what the small pa- pastor prayer groups. The first one that was founded was in Gwinnett. It's now kind of big, but. They meet on the fourth Thursday and we pray. We go, we talk about things that are going on. We pray together. We pray for revival. We pray for one another. And, and we, the, out of that, we started a Jackson County Prayer pastor prayer group that meets here on the on the fourth Wednesday of every of every month. It's a group of Different races, different denominations, we come together to pray together and build relationships with each other because we figure that if, if the pastors will take the lead and if we'll build relationships with one another. Can you imagine, Bishop Glenn's church is, is, is down in, uh, in Buford, but there's no reason we can't join with them in ministry. And do things together because of the relationships that we're building. And he and I have started a conversation about how to do that. Because the kingdom is not worried about what we look like at all. The Stone Mountain event is is simply the kickoff to this. And you've heard me talk about the meet us at the mountain. This is the kickoff event. We've been doing a lot leading up to it. But that's not the end. It's not like, okay, this is it. Because the event is not the point. The pastor prayer group's. The relationships, that's what matters. We've been in a period of 40 days in fasting that's ending this week. And and a whole group of pastors have been a part of that. And and we want to see God move. We want to see God move. There's over 7,000 people who have attended the events that we've had so far. And some have been small, 45 to 50. And some have been several thousand. But here's the thing. We are not about entertainment. We are not about entertainment. We are about intercession. And intercessionary prayer is where we need to live. When we talk about a house of prayer, this becoming a house of prayer, we're going to be a place of intercession, which means we're going to intercede. We're going to step in, and we're going to pray for one another. We're going to pray for healing. We're going to pray for revival. We're going to pray that God moves in this place in a way that is beyond anything that we can imagine. That's what we're praying for. Revival, to come to life, to live, to live fully for him. And we know that there's going to be a cost. And I know that some of you don't want to hear this. And I don't care that you don't want to hear it because it's not about me. It's about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he is no respecter of person. He loves everyone. And all still means all. It will always mean all. Now, I pray that you'll join, but I can't do that for you. That's going to be up to you. Are we going to walk this path together? Are we going to walk it separate? Not my call. But here's the cost humility. Am I going to set aside my stuff in favor of the things of God? Prayer. Am I willing to actually pray? Spend time with God? Am I going to do that? Am I going to seek his face? Perhaps you know the scripture ask and you shall seek, you shall find. Knock and the door will be open. Ask, seek, knock, and repentance turning away from the things that get between us and God. Those are the ingredients to where we're going. And the result of that will be what we talked about last week, freedom and new life. Freedom and new life. Here's the thing. Revival. Revival does not mean playing at church. Playing at church is not what it's about. It means being the church. Being the church in, in our work being the church at school, being the church everywhere that we go. This isn't a game. And if you're going to engage in spiritual battle, I got to tell you, you best be prepared. You best get prepared. Because it is not going to be an a, 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 a all things smooth kind of deal. You're going to hit some bumps in the road. You're going to have some things that come up that you're like, where did that come from? Well, they came from Satan. They came from the enemy. They came from the one who wants to prevent us from having the kind of relationship with God that changes hearts and lives. Racism and this dry, cold... Dead religion are two of the most divisive forces at work in the church today because one of them keeps us separate, and the other one keeps us from living fully into our calling. And if, and they both want to keep freedom and new life from happening. And the enemy wants to he wants to sow division and schism in the church. We've got a general conference coming up in February. The enemy wants to sow division and schism in the church. That's what he does. He wants to keep us focused on stuff rather than revival, rather on the kingdom of God. He doesn't want a kingdom-focused movement because this is who he is. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for whom he could devour. Satan wants to devour us. He wants to devour our faith. He wants to devour everything about us to keep us from living into the place that God has called us to be. Anyone you forgive, I also forgive. And what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake in order that Satan might not outwit us so that we are not unaware of his schemes. Even now, the enemy is scheming against us he's scheming, how can I prevent Arbor Point Church at West Jackson from becoming who God has called them to be, how can I prevent The church in Jackson County, the the bigger all of us together, how can I keep them separate? How can I keep the church in Georgia from uniting in a movement? How can I keep the the United States of America from from becoming who God would, would call us to be? How do I keep the world under bondage? That's what his schemes are about. He's scheming to keep us bound up. And where there's an absence of unity, there's an absence of strength. Wherever you have unity, you have strength. A house divided against itself cannot stand. A house divided against itself cannot stand. The enemy wants to sow things into the church and keep us divided. But God wants to bring his kingdom here. Wants to bring his kingdom now. And we are to engage in that fight. We are to engage in that fight. So meet us at the mountain. It's going to be a powerful day. It's this coming Saturday. Here's what it's going to look like. It's eight hours. It's an eight-hour solemn assembly, but it's not going to be all solemn, if you know what I mean. There's a lot of music, and there's a, there, there's a lot of worship going to happen. Um, at 10 a.m., we're going to start at the top of Stone Mountain. We're going to erect a physical cross. It's going to be draped in red and white to represent the blood of Christ and the purity of, of Christ. 300-plus pastors are currently signed up to go, pastors and leaders. Where th- uh, over a thousand millennials are going to actually climb the mountain. There's over a thousand signed up to do that. And, and we're going to have several thousand people on the top of that mountain. After that, we'll go to the base of the mountain and, and there's going to be a, a, a stage there, and that's where folks like Tasha Cobb and Shane and Shane and United Pursuit and all of the acts will, with the, with all of the folks who are leading worship will be. And hear this. this is what, this is one of the most powerful things. One of, one of these, one of, it's just one of the most powerful things. If you saw the video on Facebook, it's incredible. This is from Martin Luther King. He said, I have a dream that on the Red Hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will sit down at the table of brotherhood. Will Ford, who's an African-American man, and, and Matthew Lockett, who, who's, a, who's a white guy, they were friends for 12 years, and, they, and, and I think it was Matthew started doing some genealogy, and he found out that his family actually owned Will's family. Back in slavery times. Matt and Will are gonna lead communion at Stone Mountain. The sons of former slave owners and the sons of former slaves are gonna lead us at the table of brotherhood. At the end of the day, the pastors and the, we're gonna covenant together and declare and we're gonna reclaim, we're gonna s- we're going to pronounce against the principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. We're going to put on that armor of God. We're going to live into that. We're going to bind those principalities and powers in the name of Jesus Christ by the blood of the cross. We'll come together as the church. And we're going to join in this, in this battle. And, and it's a continuing battle. And you are invited to come. Bring lawn chairs. They'll have water, but that's about it. So. You've been to Stone Mountain, you know, the, you know down there on the grass. And this morning I wanted to show you the, the prophetic vision and where that came from. So
1: here's the video. The opportunity of a lifetime must be seized in the lifetime of that opportunity. And for me, one of the things the Lord has spoken to me about is his plan for revival in the city of Atlanta and it was in 2003 that I was in a time of prayer and I had this inner vision and the Lord showed me this R and this X and this R and and he said to me racism and religion are the two key principalities that need to be taken down over the city of Atlanta so that the spirit of death would would fall and come down and that revival would be released in the city and I knew that Atlanta had been called terminus historically and that that spirit of death was represented in that name, the the end of the the Eastern rail line or terminus being a Greek word that speaks of death. And it was in that place of prayer I began to really understand that God had a plan to see revival released in our city. Well, it was just a little while later, I was in a car and I was driving and I was just thinking about this racism and religion and and revival and bringing down the spirit of death. And and as it is sometimes, you kind of can question yourself. Did you hear the Lord? So I prayed a little private prayer. I said, God, if that was you, would you just confirm it to my heart? And I just prayed that prayer. And when I opened my eyes, the car I was in, we were crossing a railroad track. And I looked up and the very first thing I saw was this R, this X, and this R. And I knew the Lord was speaking. Racism and religion needed to be taken down over the city of Atlanta. And they needed to be replaced with reconciliation and revival. So it was later that year 2003 that I got a phone call from a prophetic man in California and he uh, he said I have a word for you and he said I thought it was for someone in Stone Mountain but uh," he goes I believe it's for you and he said the word is this he's about to release a season of apostolic government to the city of Atlanta and it's going to be followed by a massive move of the Spirit massive revival is coming to Atlanta Georgia and, I, you know, I heard that word and I was just, I was just encouraged because revival had been a, a key prayer point and burden of mine for, for many years. And I remembered that I had this tape that someone had sent me from Atlanta and, and they said that there was a prophetic word on there that they thought would be pertinent to me. And so I took that tape and I thought, well, I've already gotten one good prophetic word. Let's just see what's on this. And I put that tape in and on the tape was this prophetic man named Sean Bowles and he was prophesying in Atlanta in 1996 and he was describing this encounter he'd had with the Lord when he had been at Stone Mountain Park earlier that day. And as he was at Stone Mountain he was uh, viewing this statue that had been brought in for the Olympics and this statue was a statue of five different horses and the statue was entitled, The Day the Wall Came Down. But the middle horse had the saying from Martin Luther King Jr., I have a dream. And while he was there viewing the statue the Lord began to speak to him and the prophetic word was this, that God was releasing a season of apostolic government to the city of Atlanta and it was going to be followed by a massive move of the Spirit, a massive revival was coming to Atlanta. When I heard that on the tape I was absolutely blown away because it was the same prophetic word that I'd received on the phone just a few minutes before. Well, he went on to say this, that the Lord was going to change the testimony of Stone Mountain. It was now going to be a place of unity and healing, and that he was going to light up Stone Mountain with the glory of God. And then he said this, that the sign that this prophetic word would come to pass is that a plane would crash into Stone Mountain. So I thought, let me read this letter again and see what it says. And the letter that had come with the tape told me that a plane had in fact crashed into Stone Mountain in 2003, even seven years to the day that the prophecy had been given. So fast forward now to 2016, and it was the 10th anniversary of IHOP Atlanta's 24-7 worship and prayer. And Lou Engle, our dear friend, was gonna come and speak that night on our 10th anniversary. So he gets here and he says, Billy, I've gotta talk to you. I've just been in the Houston airport, and I ran into Sean Bowles. Because and Sean told me to tell you that the word for Atlanta is still on.
0: I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream. We will be able to hew out of the mountain of despair a stone of hope. Let freedom ring from Stone Mountain of Georgia.
1: We began to realize this, that the plane crashing into Stone Mountain, it was a picture of the prayer movement hitting that ancient stronghold. See, it was in 1915 that the Ku Klux Klan, for the very first time, burned a cross publicly. And the place they did that was on the top of Stone Mountain.
0: We're going to a place where historically sin has been allowed to dwell. And I, I believe that if freedom rings, and Dr. King said this, to so let freedom ring, so ring and freedom may not have been in his life. We may be carrying actually the legacy of Dr. King even now. I think that for pastors, this is hugely important for us to recognize how we have to lead the way in reconciliation. I believe right now so very vital the church leadership having a reconciled heart will come together, cry out to God, and come against that stronghold of racism.
1: I believe the Lord has marked Atlanta as a gate city, and he wants to visit this gate city with kingdom authority and release power on the church that will birth massive revival. And when Atlanta falls, to the kingdom of God, the southeast will fall to the kingdom of God, and the nation will feel the wave of the power of God's move of the Spirit and revival.
0: So, in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith, for all of you are baptized into Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither a Jew nor "...nor Gentile, neither slave nor free. There is not male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on him. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved." For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Jesus has paid the price for us all, every people group, bringing us into his kingdom so that we can look like Jesus, so that we can be one. In him, so that we can live out that thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Come, Lord Jesus, and move that. Move it. Bring us to that place where we set aside the traditional divisions and we go, We are one, and we are one people. We are united, and we are not going to buy into the pick your word that the world w- wants to dump on us. We're not going to do it. You know what I mean. <laughs> we, it's time. Let me, let me close this out because the core of all of this is always going to be prayer, prayer, prayer. This is from the Apostle Paul, Romans 11. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift. To make you strong. How many of us in this place want to be the kind of people that are imparting spiritual gifts and and into each other? Not our gifts, but the gifts given to us so, so that we can see how that is played out, so that we can see what God is going to do that, do with that. I long to see you. I fervently desire. I really, 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 really want to be with you. Paul telling the church at Rome. And what he's saying is because when I come there, there will be a transfer from my life to your life that you can't get any other way. It's not about me. It's about what God's done in me. And I want to give away what God's done in me because that which we give away multiplies. And anybody who's been on a mission trip knows you go there to help them and you come out going, wow, that really impacted me. When we give it away, we receive so much more. What's the context of that? Let me drop back, kind of like last week, a couple of verses. First, I thank God through Jesus Christ for all of you. Because your faith is being reported all over the world. The God whom I serve in my spirit and preaching the gospel of his Son is my witness. How constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. And I pray that now, at last, by God's will, the way may be opened for me to come to you. Paul tells them he remembers that the church in Rome constantly. He remembers them always. He's not just thinking about them. He's praying for them. He's interceding. There's that word again. He's praying without ceasing. And it's from that place of ceaseless intercession that Paul longs to be with them. If we become this place of prayer that we're talking about, we're going to long to see God do so many things in people's lives who are around us. It's going to blow us away. The One Race Movement was founded upon over 10 years of pastor prayer groups to prepare the Big C Church to move into its rightful place as the bringer of unity, reconciliation, and revival. Because know this, the political process will never bring about unity, reconciliation, and revival. It's sold out to division. Too much money, too much influence comes from all of that. The political process is not our answer, but you know who is the answer? You know who is the answer? Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, he's the bringer of unity. He's the bringer of peace. So we are the church. We've got to become kingdom bringers. And we've got to bring that kingdom here to earth so that we can live out in a way that they do already in heaven. I hope that you'll join me at Stone Mountain. Uh, I hope that you'll support this movement in prayers and resources and in time. I made a pledge from Arbor Point to financially support one race, and I'm not going to tell you what that pledge is because that's up to God and up to you. If you feel led to give to them, if you want to give through here, you can do that. Just write one race on it. If you want to give there, just write Arbor Point on it. But the right hand does not need to know what the left hand is doing, and I'm trusting that God will just do whatever God's going to do. For us, the Wednesday night prayer time. We'll start August 29th. Sorry, Judy. Judy was here. She was ahead. We'll, it'll be at 630, and we're going to come together. It's, it's going to be our Wednesday night service. It's just going to be a time of prayer, 630 to whenever we're done. And if you have a need or if you just want to come and pray together as the body of Christ, I'll be here. I'll have a guitar sometimes. We'll pray. We'll sing. We'll do whatever. As, as we, If if somebody needs healing, I'll have oil. We can do anointing. We can do we're going to turn this house into a house of prayer. I told you about the Isaiah passage last week. Jesus actually referenced that as well. He, he went In Matthew 21, 13, he said, It is written, uh, my house will become a, a house of prayer. And then he, went, he was talking to the Pharisees. He just turned over some tables, and he said, But you have made it a den of thieves. Um, but Jesus referenced that, that, my house will become a, a house of prayer. But it's also not lost on me that verse 14 says this, and the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them so I pray expectantly for miracles and it was this week that that you know and, and we don't know Cory didn't go to the doctor but Cory we were setting up weeks of transportation for Cory because you saw the post you know it popped in three places worse than last time and so we prayed and and then we prayed some more we prayed that night that If the bones would knit themselves back together so that it's not as bad as what she thinks it is. And she went to the doctor the next day. And she has a bad sprain. And she's got to stay off her foot for a week instead of six. And you can dispute that. I'm claiming a miracle from God because prayer is powerful, and I expect miracles to happen, miracles of healing, miracles of provision, miracles of restored relationships, miracles of loving people that aren't lovable. Miracles are going to happen in this place, and I pray, pray, pray that you will join in this. This is what the church is called to and what we're supposed to be. Amen.